0: This copyright expired song is Jazz Me Blues by Tom Delaney. I'm back in Washington, D.C. this week, so my exploration of stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame and all the sordid details of the lives of people who have stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, I could focus on their work. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to focus on the juiciest bits on their Wikipedia page. That project is on hold just for a week. Tom Delaney, a songwriter who had a lot of success in the jazz blues area as you can tell by this song called jazz me blues which is it tom jazz or blues he had a lot of success does not have a star on the hollywood walk of fame the thing on delaney's wikipedia page that jumped out at me is that he was born in charleston south carolina grew up in orphanages and then it says including the jenkins orphanage and the jenkins orphanage has a link to it and i thought oh shit that is not what you want, an orphanage with a wikipedia page, yeah that's probably not good. It kind of reminds me, I wrote a joke one time about a retirement home that advertised as seen on 60 Minutes. That's probably not a good thing. Here's the good news though, I clicked on the Jenkins Orphanage link and it is is—it act- is actually a good thing, it is not a long list of the horrors that occurred at the Jenkins Orphanage, it's, a- it's good stuff, here's what happened the Jenkins Orphanage, which is apparently still around in some form, was established in 1891 as one of the only orphanages for African-American kids in that area. And it became notable because the kids were taught music and they formed a band and that band became very popular. They played Shows all over the United States and Europe. They played at the inaugurations of Presidents Roosevelt and Taft. They became so popular that the initial one band split into many bands. At some point, they had four or five bands touring all over the country and the world. So kind of like UCB Theater in that regard, except, you know, good. And Delaney came out of that music powerhouse of the early 20th century, and he wrote a lot of songs, had a good number of hits, (laughs) Uh, apparently wrote a song in the 1920s called All the Girls Like Big Dick, unreleased in the 1920s, All Girls Like Big Dick, let me tell you, I tried to find the lyrics to All the Girls Like Big Dick, I horribly sullied my otherwise pristine Google search history, searching for that. Let me tell you, I found a lot of interesting stuff. <laughs> I did not find the lyrics to All oh, the Girls Like Big Dick. The Wikipedia page says uh, it was unreleased. Yeah. Yeah. is going to be hard to get that one sold at the livery stable or the phosphate stand or wherever you sold records at in the 1920s. The Woolworths, probably. They're not going to stock that one on the shelves during a time when venturing outside without a bowler hat was basically the equivalent of what full frontal nudity is today. Hello, and welcome to the I Might Be Wrong podcast. This is, of course, the podcast in which I do a brief riff on copyright expired music and then seamlessly transition to political comedy. It's that classic podcast format. I'm Jeff Mauer. As always, you can find this episode and lots of other written stuff, including a lot of stuff that doesn't make it onto the podcast, on my substack, which is at imightberong.substack.com. It is 100% free because I am, of course, a front for the Ethiopian mafia. Today's episode is called, In Hell, I Will Be Forced to Assign Pronouns to Fictional Characters All day. I wanted to write this one because this is a problem I encounter a lot. I'm frequently writing something and I have to call a character either him or her or assign them some other trait. Sometimes a race. Sometimes, you know, are they in a wheelchair or not in a wheelchair? These issues come up when you're writing and they come up frequently enough that I decided they deserved their own post. Because I do think about these things and I do make a lot of choices that probably annoy the hell out of you. And uh, I just wanted to explain the thinking behind them, especially because... I know a lot of people who read me are also writers, and maybe they find themselves in the same hell that I am in. So the episode is called In Hell I Will Be Forced to Assign Pronouns to Fictional Characters All Day, subheading one way that writers are resoundingly screwed. So imagine you're writing a movie script. This movie takes place in the near future. In your script, character one, a superhero, of course, looks at character two, who is also a superhero. In 2016, the FCC passed a rule requiring that all movie scripts be about superheroes, so that's why they all are these days. Anyway, superhero one looks at superhero two and says, gee, it sure is nifty that we saved the world, and now we get to meet the president. I really am excited to meet. Okay, what's the next word here? <laughs> This is the question. I'm really excited to meet... uh, What do you say? Do you say him? Do you say her? Do you say kill me now, Jesus, them? These are the options. And I think most writers have faced this dilemma. I have faced it more times than I can count. The first purpose of this episode is to explain to readers that I do actually think about these things. You might consider me... You probably do consider me an asshole or a snowflake or both. And I'm not going to argue with you there. But at least I am an asshole and a snowflake with purpose. That's my first goal. My second goal is to offer a timid defense of my actions for when my eventual cancellation rolls around. Because you see, writers are screwed no matter what we do. We are offered a buffet of shit... And all we can do is scoop as little of that shit onto our plate as possible. So, in this episode, let's explore the deep hell that writers find themselves in when assigning pronouns to fictional characters in the year 2022, according to the Julian calendar, if you're into that type of thing. Starting with the example of superheroes referencing the imaginary future president that I just outlined. So, again, they're saying, I can't wait to meet... It's either going to be him or her. So, if you call a made up president him, then congratulations, Dick Wad. You are perpetuating the patriarchy. <laughs> uh, good luck trying to look your daughter in the eyes. You used to believe in things, sell out, piece of shit. I suppose in your mind, female characters are only nurses, prostitutes, and wet blanket wives trying to snuff out their husband's awesome fun. You will probably rationalize your choice by telling yourself that saying she would be confusing. Oh, would it be confusing now? Because, of course, I suppose a woman could only be president of, you know, a makeup company or some sort of neighborhood baking consortium or that sort of thing. You fucking sicken me, you fascist. Now, snark aside, only for a moment, I promise. The truth is, I honestly... I don't want to perpetuate the idea that presidents are always men. Sure, they always have been, but they're not always going to be. Now, I don't want to get too into myself here. I know that this is not a huge thing. I do not think that my script for Smurfs 5, The Rise of Azrael, is going to end up being a linchpin in the fight for gender equality. But I do want to do the right thing. The fact that we have not had a woman president yet... Does not mean that we will never have one. And in fact, we would probably have one right now if James Comey knew how to keep his goddamned cake hole shut. So, those are the hazards of calling the fictional president him. So, easy fix, right? You call the hypothetical president her. Well, that creates a whole new set of problems. Now, you are a self-righteous asshat trying to wedge a trite political message into your dumb-as-dog-shit superhero script. You have now become the stereotypical Hollywood narcissist who believes that they have to say something, despite the fact that, and it took me a long time to learn this, you do not. The world is actually not looking to you, O oh sage scribe with five episodes of Kevin Can Wait and three unaired pilots on their IMDb page, they're actually not looking to you to right society's wrongs. If you call the fictional president her, then what truly is the difference between you and the 90s band Dishwalla, who blew exactly zero minds by singing, Tell Me All Your... I'm not going to sing it. Tell Me All Your Thoughts on God, because I'm on my way to meet her. Oh, fuck, God. The answer is nothing. There is no difference between you and Dishwalla. You are Dishwalla now, you sad, sad tool. In trying to do the right thing, all you have done is to become a different flavor of douchebag. So, since saying him has its problems and saying her has its problems, maybe you should, you know, damn the torpedoes and call the fake president Them. It's an option. Unfortunately, I just don't think that option works. In my opinion, a writer who calls a fake president them is a conscientious person and a well meaning person and also a deep idiot who should be fired because to English speakers, them is a pronoun referring to two or more people. It's going to make people think what's going on in the near future here? Is the U.S. governed by some Weird EU-style triumvirate? Is there some kind of hooded robe-wearing council of the seven governing the country? It's more than one person, obviously, because the character called the president them. Look, unless that's a plot point you are going for, I just don't think that saying them works. And this hypothetical president gender problem is only one example. This type of situation comes up all the time. Suppose you are writing a couple that appears briefly in one scene. This is just a minor couple. Is that couple straight or are they gay? And remember, we're talking about minor characters here. So here's another one. What if you're writing a cab driver? What race is he? Is it, you might wonder, progressive (laughs) to write a serial killer who's a woman? You go, girl, except, you know, don't, because you're murdering people. What about an Asian character who's really, really, really fucking dumb? If your character is disabled, do they have to be an exemplar of moral rectitude, or can they be a selfish piece of shit the way that most people are? These questions come up all the time, and they deserve thought, and they deserve discussion, because they are inherently political, and they often make their way into our dialogue. For example, a producer for Disney became a Fox News celebrity. And becoming an accidental Fox News celebrity is a lot like becoming an orphanage with a Wikipedia page. That is almost certainly not a good thing. Anyway, she became a Fox News celebrity by casually referencing in an internal meeting her, quote, not at all secret gay agenda, unquote. She referenced it in a tongue-in-cheek way. She also does helm a kids' show that includes a gay couple. So this made her an unwitting character in the Fox News Florida Freakout of early 2022, in which Disney was accused of indoctrinating children. And not, by the way, in the way that Disney actually indoctrinates children, which is fostering such intense brand loyalty that by age three, a child is more attached to the Cars franchise than they are to their own parents'. That was not the accusation. The accusation was that there was some weird gay propaganda coming through Disney via producers like this one who got in trouble with Fox News. Now, in my mind, including a gay couple on a children's show is absolutely not indoctrination. It's not because, and this is important, there are gay couples. (laughs) That is a thing in real life. Insisting that TV shows must omit an actual thing that is common in the real world, that strikes me as much closer to indoctrination than anything Disney is doing. I feel that to not write gay couples would represent the writer's political beliefs elbowing their way into the script. Now, before you name me progressive ally of the century, and I'm not saying don't do it, I'm just saying don't do it yet. Please recognize that my it exists in real life so it can go into a script principle that cuts in a lot of different directions. So, for example, that hypothetical cab driver that I mentioned earlier, personally, I think it's okay if you make him Arab. Some people might say that by doing that you are perpetuating the stereotype of Arab cab drivers. I would say that you are reflecting the fact that there are Arab cab drivers in real life. As long as your character is not wearing a t-shirt that says, every member of my profession shares my ethnicity, and every person of my ethnicity shares my profession, then I think you are fine. That is my opinion. I think we should try to avoid hammering home stereotypes. Let's remember that in the 1970s, (laughs) anyone who is black on TV... And not George Jefferson was probably a street pimp. I'm engaging in a little bit of Fred Sanford erasure there, but the point stands. You don't want to hammer home stereotypes, but I don't think there's a requirement that we need to be idiots. For example, if you are writing a script about L.A. gang violence in the early 1990s, I do not think you have to make the Bloods and the Crips look like the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. And then there's also this, which is a weird thing worth thinking about. If a writer thinks, hey, there are gay couples in real life, so I am going to make one of the two couples on my TV show gay, and every writer does that, (laughs) then suddenly half the couples on TV will be gay. And on the one hand, uh, I say fine. I mean, I don't demand that TV demographics perfectly match the demographics of the real world. On the other hand, uh, the actual share of same-sex households in the U.S. is 1.44%. It's not 50%. Now, I don't think that there's really a fix for this. I do not recommend that the Writers Guild create gay character permits and then hand out those permits at the beginning of pilot season. Honestly, I think the quote-unquote fix here is for viewers to simply understand... That writers are trying to craft realistic scenarios, but we are also operating in the dark. And let's remember, a lot of us are writing while high, so please try to cut us a bit of slack. So then, what to do? How does a writer navigate race, gender, and other identity issues in a way that is realistic, but also not idiotic and pandering? The answer is, I don't know. But I can tell you what I do. My first bold move here is to dodge these issues whenever possible. If a character's race, sex, whatever is not relevant to the story, then I just leave it out of the script. You always write a character description, and I will write that description, but I will just leave those elements out. This is partly because of selfishness. The reality is the fewer constraints... I put on a character, the better chance I have of getting a good actor to play a character. This is why, by the way, you should never write, for example, seven-foot-tall Native American conjoined twins. You are never going to cast that. The fewer constraints you put, the better chance you have of getting a good actor. Now, ten years ago, what I'm doing, just leaving those traits out, that would have been considered a highly progressive choice. Today there are people out there who would argue that my decision to ignore sex and race in a character is indicative of sexism and white supremacy and probably a bunch of other things, five or six other isms, to which I say, okay, fair enough, but I am still going to do it this way. So that's my first step, try to dodge the issue. When I cannot dodge the issue, when I absolutely have to specify a character's ascriptive traits, despite the fact that those traits are not really relevant to the story, I use a random number generator. That's what I do. I developed this habit back when I wrote for Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. On that show, you frequently write random, nameless characters that end up in the -the over-the-shoulder graphics. So the joke would be something like, Pulling out of the Iran deal is like telling your wife you're leaving her for a bandicoot. Please do ignore the question of whether pulling out of the Iran deal is actually like that. Nonetheless, the point is, when you write that joke, there has to be a graphic of a person walking arm in arm with a bandicoot while a woman gawks in disbelief, and the question is whether that couple should be gay. I used to think real hard about... Whether the couple in question would be a good representation of a gay couple. And then I started to question what good even meant in that context. Because some gay relationships are train wrecks. And I also started to question the value of representation in, again, this context. Because most people in Last Week Tonight graphics are either taking a dump or committing bestiality. So, ultimately, what I did is I just set up an Excel sheet containing demographics of various things and a random number generator, and I would use that to randomly decide which traits these fictional people would have. So, for example, since roughly 1.5% of American couples are same-sex, so it came to also be, in my last week tonight, graphics. And I still use this method. I used it in my last column which is called What Makes a Good President. You can find it on my completely free substack. I used it to decide whether to call a hypothetical president him or her. That is, of course, where the example that I started this episode with came from. What I'm doing here is I am trying to remove myself from the equation as much as possible. My hope is that by doing so, that will help me write scripts that feel realistic and help me write articles that make me sound realistic like a little bit less of a total jerk-off. I won't claim that I am being objective here because, of course, choosing to not make a choice is itself a choice. I have just decided that this choice is the least bad one that I can make. So, does this make me a bigot? A libtard? A soy boy? A fascist? Uh, I'm going to say yes to all of those. I accept whatever punishment... Twitter eventually inflicts on me, because honestly, I'm just too tired to try to avoid it. I have thought through the fictional character pronoun thing as much as I care to for the time being, and I will stick to my current method until a less terrible one is presented to me. As usual, I don't know what the right thing to do is. I am mostly hoping that good intentions are enough. And if they are not enough, then every use of my random number generator simply lengthens the chain that I will carry through hell. Oops. Nonetheless, when I waste time thinking about pronouns for characters who aren't real and represent absolutely nothing, then I honestly feel that my time in hell has already begun. And that's the episode. An interesting question came up in the comments section of this article, which is something I've thought about. What do you do when you're dealing with professions where the gender split is not 50-50 and perhaps nowhere close to 50-50? It's a great question. It is something I've thought about. Unfortunately, my answer is so fuzzy. It's just, uh, sometimes I don't use my random number generator. I'm trying to make the process as objective as possible, and yet there's still a lot of subjectivity. Because, okay, for example, one that comes up all the time is a doctor. The doctor gender split is not 50-50. I don't know exactly what it is. It's not 50-50. It's not 95-5 either. I do use the random number generator for doctors. It's actually the exact same question as presidents, isn't it? It's like there are female doctors. I mean, there aren't female presidents yet, but... There are female doctors. It's because doctor is seen as you know a prestigious job, a high-status job. To assume that person is going to be a guy seems like a bit of a dick move. So I do use the random number generator for doctors. I do remember one time in particular choosing not to use it for construction workers because I thought that would because that would just be stupid. I I have briefly worked in construction. My family worked in construction, not briefly i am, i'm racking my brain i literally have never met a female construction worker i'm sure there's one out there i hope to hear from her in the comments section to this episode but i have literally never met a female construction worker so to use a random number generator that assumes that the odds of a <laughs> construction worker being female are 50 percent just seemed stupid so i didn't use it in that context so that's how i quote unquote solve that problem which is Not much of a solution at all, is it? To say that I have a random number generator that I use except when I don't. But I think I go back here to the idea that we don't have to be morons when we write our scripts. So if I'm writing a construction crew and it's ten people, five of them don't have to be women because I have literally never seen that crew in my life or anything close to it. And if I do that, all I'm going to do is make the viewer go, What the fuck is going on here? Why are five of these? It's like, why don't I just make them 90 years old? It's going to take the viewer out of it that much. So, ugh. answering these questions really is hell. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed my exploration of that hell. And one last time, everything I do can be found at imightberong.substack.com. It is completely free and will remain so for the indefinite future unless you choose to pay me just to be a nice person slash show off. I will be back next week with another episode until then. Thank you very much for listening and bye for now.